MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. And next, we're brought to you by SoBet. Sign up to bet against your friends and join the social betting revolution at SoBet.io slash SGPN. That's S-O-B-E-T slash S-G-P-N. And finally, we're brought to you by Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that allows you to sync your fantasy football league and bet on head-to-head matchups. Download the app today or just head on over to betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGPN. And while you're downloading apps, don't forget to download the SGPN app. It's your home for all of our free picks and podcasts right there in the palm of your hand. Make sure to download it wherever it is you download apps. Hi-ho, DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I would be your host, Jocks. Hello, hi. Uh, this would be episode 94. Um, I'm going to dedicate this to UFC 94, which was the first UFC event ever that had two current title holders uh, fight each other in the main event or in any, any part of the card. Um, I'm going to quickly introduce my... Associate co-host Daniel Gumby Vreeland, so I can ask him who headlined UFC 94, Dan, on January 31st, 2009. Well, if it's the first two uh, champions, simultaneous champions, it's got to be GSP, BJ Penn, correct? Correct. Is that also the card with with, uh, John Jones hitting the spinning elbow on Stefan Bonner then? Correct. Yeah, that's a good one there. Have you ever heard the interview with Stefan Bonner where he talks about getting hit with that elbow? First of all, he's been hit with a lot of shit. Like he, you can clearly tell. Um, Because he was in on all of that Diego Sanchez uh, crazy coach stuff for a while, right? And um, so he's clearly been hit with some things. But he said when he got hit with that John Jones spinning elbow – he thought a fan had thrown a beer bottle from the stands and hit him in the back of the head because <laughs> he couldn't figure out what possibly could have hit him there uh, with a fighter yeah. in front of him, uh, which is just fucking awesome. <laughs> yep. That was the rise of John Jones. Also was the rise of the man in the co-main event, Leoto Mishita, KO'd uh, Tiago Silva. I think that was his last fight before... Yeah, he, he was... He that, was before the, the, before the Machida, the Machida, Machida era. era. <laughs> yes, which lasted a fight, perhaps, a round of fights. So, yes, there you go. I, so think, it technically, knows. I think it technically lasted two fights, but uh, the, the one shouldn't have actually gone his way. No. So, yeah. It's, it's I, was all in on the, I was all in on the Machida era, too. Disappointing. I thought, I thought after that fight, we were going to have 700 karate experts... In the yep. UFC, like I thought, yep. I thought like UFC, like now after watching that fight, like five years later, would have just been like Wonder Boys in every division. Yes, yes, exactly. Do you remember what else this event was known for? The yes, controversy 90, was known for ninety four. I can't say that I do. It was the greasing incident where 
Oh, he said GSP fuck. was all, yeah, <laughs> all greased up by Phil Nurse. Yes. Yes. Phil Nurse. There's a throwback. Dude, he had yep. the wildest corner. I think it was for that yep. fight. Is it? Yep. Is that the one he had? Phil Nurse, Greg Jackson, uh, John Donaher, and um, Faraz Zahabi. Yeah. Yep. What a uh, freaking I, corner. No kidding, eh? And then looking at the card, no one is. No, oh, we do have someone. There's two people technically still in the UFC. Oh, actually, John Jones, too. Never mind. Three people that are still fighting in the UFC that fought on this card 12 years ago. Dan, do you know who? Or 13 years ago? Almost. Still in the UFC from 13. Yeah. So Jones, be, obviously. It's got to be Clay Guida, right? Yeah. Clay Guida. Who did he fight that night? He fought uh, someone that night. Never fought Matt Brown, right? Matt Brown. He either. fought someone to a split decision victory. Oh, it's uh, Nate Diaz. He beat Nate Diaz. There you go. Yeah. Dan remembers all. Dan knows all. I, I remember that one because uh, that was probably like some of the birth of me uh, wagering on MMA because I made a bunch oh. of money on Clay Guida against some Nate Diaz. <laughs> way back, you were you were a degenerate way back then, twelve years ago. See, I think this is. I think this was. Uh, I think. This was I, – I was not old enough to – I mean, I definitely wasn't old enough to, like, actually wager, nor was it even close to being legal in the States. Um, so I'm pretty sure this was, like, a friendly dorm room wager because I was in college right. at the time. But uh, they were all like, yeah, no, Nate Diaz, you know, same thing with what Nate Diaz fans think now. Um, yeah, only exactly. If got Clay Guida can really fucking wrestle. <laughs> yes, and you barely won. By the skin of your teeth, you won, but – this isn't a throwback retro uh, episode, even though we do talk about VHS tapes a lot and things like that. This is uh, <laughs> this is uh, this podcast is all about Jeff getting a friend. He he has a friend now. Um, I want to <laughs> test our I want to test our friendship though, Dan. Let's say we're at school together in class, and I'm really hungry, and you've got a pocket full of tater tots. <laughs> would you give me some of your tots, Dan? I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I would give you some of my tots. Because if you didn't, I would kick them and punch them and squish them and you'd call me an idiot right what once Was again idiot? idiot uh yeah no i i think that is probably another one of the ge- most genius moments of napoleon i think we can turn this into a napoleon dynamite good. Well, but, uh yeah another genius moment because not only is it funny that he has a pocket full of tater tots it's so funny that kicking them just like notably ruins the tater tots and yep. probably messes up his pocket it's just a yep. brilliant, brilliant piece of writing. More people it should is. love Napoleon Dynamite. We should have a maybe we'll have to have a spinoff, uh, spinoff uh, podcast all about Napo- all about Napoleon. We'll call it all about Napoleon, perhaps. Do you think, do you think it would do well on a gambling network? Uh, maybe. <laughs> it, it, I'm sure there's cross. There's got to be crossover. Everyone, get at us, uh, Jeff Fox writer Gumby Vreeland. Maybe we can if, get a new Slack down. channel going. Maybe exactly. the Napoleon Dynamite Slack channel. <laughs> but they did just start a new. Um, there's there's a movie channel on our SGPN Slack now, so maybe I'll I'll uh, see how, if we have any. But they're all talking about like serious movies and stuff, so I'm not uh, sure if it would be. Yeah, that. I mean, that's definitely serious. serious it's seriously good. It is seriously <laughs> good for sure. For sure. All right, we uh we, we should get to work, right? Yeah, we, we, we've got some actual stuff to talk. We have fights to talk about this week. We have fights to talk about. We're not going to talk about the winter wonderland that's here once again. We got a lot of snow, actually, last night. We've Any got snow a little bit here. Part? We've, we've oh, got a little bit go, here. Finally. Yeah, like I, I've got like uh, a couple couple of uh, spots where the snow stayed on the ground, mostly because I didn't leaf blow enough of my leaves off of my yard, so they're just chilling on top of the leaves, and then they've it's pretty much melted everywhere else. 
rich guy with a leaf blower. Hear that? Everybody, Dan, <laughs> living large with a leaf blower. Probably because Dan uses WinBet. Ready to win money and boost your odds and get a, get your very own lawn blower. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. What else can I tell you? Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports from NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. WinBet has some brand new bonuses. Like new users can bet a dollar and win $100 in any sport. Plus, you can get up to 1500 bucks as a free bet on WinBet if you make a deposit of $20 or more. Whatever your first wager is, WinBet will match it 200%. Example, you bet 100 they'll pay you 200 There you go. Max wager match is 750 bucks. They will match it up to 1500 bucks. And did your – I can't remember who you picked. You probably picked the Bulls again. And they no, I, won, took, didn't they? I took Memphis, no. and they lost by 32. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, they, and, and John Morant got hurt that game too, so yeah, you had luck. Well, which is, I'm going to blame mostly that. I'm going to blame that Correct. Jaw got hurt. Because if Jaw doesn't get hurt in that game, it's an entirely different game. They probably don't lose by, they definitely don't lose by 32. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to blame, I'm going to blame that one. Okay. All right. What's your pick this time? You got one? Yeah, I've got, I'm going to say, uh, so we're going to pick for Monday because uh, obviously the, you're not going to get this before Sunday's afternoon. I think we've got like afternoon games here on Sunday. I'm going to take the yes. Pacers over the Wolves. Um, they don't have the line posted yet, um, but I'd even take a money line here because the Pacers, don't look now, we talked about whether or not they're good or not. They've gotten hot. They're, they've won three out of four. Uh, the only loss being to the Lakers in overtime, which includes a win over the Bulls that made me look dumb, uh, where they yep. beat the Bulls by 32. Meanwhile, uh, Minnesota, they're winning a little bit here and there, but they're just scraping by. Uh, they got absolutely worked by the Hornets a couple nights ago. So, uh, yeah, I think Indiana is here to stay. They're going to be the, the away team. So I'm guessing you're probably going to get a few points, which you could play, or just love the uh, love the plus money on, on Demonis Sabonis getting in there and, and picking up a, a, a trustworthy double-double. There you go, because Dan is not just an MMA Reporter, journalist, journal. I'll call you a journalist. That makes Ooh, you sound I don't, more I don't know if I like that. I, I don't. I don't think I sound <laughs> writer. Writer, I use because that that's writer. He also writes, but <laughs> he also writes, but MBA for the MMA uh, for the uh, sports gambling podcast dot com. So there you go. Uh, so yeah, get on that with your WinBet um, promos that we just told you about because they have great promos, odds, and payouts. They're happening live right now over at WinBet for Booster Parlays to live in-game odds in every major sport. They have what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. That big win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. PropSwap always has the best odds because you are buying directly from other bettors like yourself. See a bet you like, but think the price is too high. Submit a bid for a price you think is fair, then buy it. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit, and PropSwap will double it up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. If you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Every ticket purchased on PropSwap can be resold at any time, so your bet doesn't need to win in order to make money. It just needs to improve. Thousands of bettors across the country are shopping for tickets on PropSwap every day. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app. PropSwap is where America buys and sells sports bets. All right. You want to, last episode, number 93, Dan was telling us the top under-the-radar prospects in each UFC weight class. You want to rip through the rest of them now, Mr. Yeah, Raymond? Let, let's kick off with that. That's, that's a good way to get our feet wet. And then we yes. can determine uh, just how, how exciting Bellator 272 might be. Yes. All right. Lightweight. 
I think we're at, correct? Yeah, we are at lightweight. And this one was Who is your easy. top under the who's your top under the radar lightweight fella? This is so easy for me. When I was looking at the list, and there are some if you go way down on the list, guys who are just recently signed and stuff like that, but you know, I yeah. talked last time, there's some guys who are under the radar being just signed, have like, you know, two and O records or, you know, in the case of Mohammed Mokhaev, uh O and O records in the UFC. Oh, yeah. But, like, there are some guys just outside of the top 15 that I think already should be in the top 15, maybe even the top 10. And one of them, for me, is Matrus Gamro. Um, oh, okay. Who, who, a Polish guy, um, absolutely been on a tear. I think he lost a little bit of his luster when he came over to the UFC. They gave him, like, a late replacement type fighter um, in Garam Kutataladze. Um, who's, like, a, a really good Georgian prospect. He, won, he lost a split decision in that fight. Um, to Kutataladze, and I think people were like, oh, this guy was supposed to be 17-0 coming over from Poland. Is, is he even really that good? And I, first of all, I thought he beat Kutataladze. I, I thought that that fight should have been a no-brainer. I, I think he definitely won the fight. Um, But, like, even if that loss happens, he then rattles off back-to-back finishes of Scott Holtzman and Jeremy Stevens, who are incredible competitors, right? They're guys who have been in the UFC forever, um, and not only did he sub Jeremy Stevens, he made Jeremy Stevens look like he had never been in a UFC fight before. That fight took 65 seconds. He took him down with an ankle pick, moved right to uh, side control, right to like a north-south uh, Camaro lock, stuck it behind his back and finished him. So like, uh, look, I, I think Gamro is going to be a top 10 or even a top 5 UFC level fighter pretty soon. He's fighting Diego Fajeda next month um, in the, the last card of the year who is a ranked guy, I think he's probably going to blow right through him, and we're going to see him, like, being ranked pretty soon. But, like, he's a name that people should be talking about a whole heck of a lot more because he's an he's an Abu Dhabi qualifier. Like, like he is that high level of grappling, and he's a good striker, too. Yep, grappling champ, double champ in KSW. He's lightweight champ and featherweight champ. Um, 30 years old, so he's pretty much ready to go now, right? Yeah, I, I think this is... It up. I guess they I, have I cranked this, it up already. I think this is his best possible spot. And when he went to Abu Dhabi's, by the way, in 2019, he, he drew very bad luck. His first round fight was against Gary Tonin. So, like, I, I mean, like, the yeah. worst possible first round matchup you could get. But, like, he he didn't look terrible fighting Gary Tonin. He lasted seven minutes with him, um, and those are ten-minute rounds. So, like... He's a guy who has really solid grappling chops. And like you said, he's in the right part of his career to make a run right now. And if they're giving him uh, Diego Ferreira, formerly known as CDF, if they're giving to him already, then they uh, agree that he, it's ready to crank things up for him then, I guess, right? Uh, I think That's they a do. Opponent. Yeah, yeah I, I think they know what they've got in, in Matthews Gamero. Like, I, I think they realize how good he is. So, you know, I, I hope that that's what they're doing with him, too. All right, excellent, excellent. Welterweights, what you got? So for welterweights, I'm going to go with one of those guys who we have only kind of seen already, and that person is uh, Michael Morales. Um, We saw him on the Contender Series. He's only 22 years old, and my God, was he fast and athletic, uh, and he absolutely manhandled Nikolay Veritanikov. Um, You know, I was even in on Veritanikov to start, and I was like, man, this guy... Looks like he's the real deal. I've seen him on the regional circuit. Looks like he can take people down. Not only did he not take Michael Morales down, Morales 
took him down a bunch of times. Um, in largely, not even with super technical takedowns, with like body lock, locks and pure strength and speed. Um, this dude is 22 years old and like incredibly, incredibly athletic. He's also one of those dudes who has like an incredible reach. Um, like he, he is a guy who is, uh, he's only six foot tall, but he's got a 79 inch reach, which means it's like, you know, we're, we're talking about like almost a, uh, what, what's that? Six foot, that's six foot five inch reach six or six foot, foot, six foot seven inch reach. Excuse me. Um, yeah, six, seven. Yep. He's got a six foot seven inch reach and it looks like he's got a six foot seven inch reach. Um, so like he's an incredible striker, super fast, crazy athletic. We watched him on the Contender Series just absolutely manhandle somebody, and they booked him for one of the first fight cards of the upcoming year. He's going to be fighting Trevin Giles, a guy who is a veteran, which, you know, like, granted, he hasn't had the greatest run right now, but, like, he's a veteran that I think they think, if he can get through Trevin Giles in his UFC debut, we're looking at, like, a 22-year-old star here. Um, So I, I think the UFC knows what they've got with him, too. And don't uh, think that he is the dead murderer, Michael Morales, who was executed. Um, I didn't know there was, I didn't know there was Yeah, apparently there is, yes. <laughs> did, you rape, that, rape him, did you just Google, murderer. The, did you Google that on the... I did. The, I, uh, on the Google machine, yes. Yes. All right, so Dan picked a newcomer to the UFC, so, uh, but this is good. Um, your two picks both have upcoming fights, so it's, it should be fresh in our Jen's minds when, when those fights roll around and it's time to bet. Plus, I'll know how uh, what what the tail or fade when when fight night comes, whether you're on a, on a hot streak or not. I'll know whether or not to <laughs> act like it's my actual pick, and then I'm not just fading you or tailing you. All right, middleweights. What you now? Then we're now we're getting into the it the starts to get a little the, little the thin in, in the big boy classes, right? Yes. Although <laughs> I will quite. This, this one made me feel – this one was one I was not uh, – I didn't have to press to find this one. Uh, I already have this guy's name on the back of my tongue anyway, and that's Dreykus Duplesis um, yeah. from, from South Africa. He was supposed – speaking of having matchups coming up, he was supposed to fight in two weeks um, against Andre Muniz, who is – I don't know if he's still in the rankings, but he was in the rankings very recently. Um, this is a guy who's already knocked out Trevin Giles and Marcus Perez. He's 2-0 in the UFC. He's 16-2 and overall, and his, his only loss was a rematch to uh, Roberto Soldic as the KSW champion. So, again, I'm picking another KSW champion, uh, an EFC champion, two organizations I'm pretty high on. Um, and Soldic is like, I mean, like he's probably one of the best guys not in the UFC. Um, he, he's won yeah. like a, you know, he's won a ton of fights against high level dudes out there. Um, and he's fighting like, soon too. He's, oh yeah, he's, he's fighting um, Mehmed Khaledal. Yeah. yeah, which is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. for him Anyhow, to become sorry. a double champ again. Or yeah, because yes, I think he's is. already the yeah. welterweight. He's champion. up the middleweight. Yeah, and he's gonna yep. fight for the middleweight. So like. A loss there is no shame, and he had won the previous one. Like, they rematched, went one and one. Yeah. Since then, Duplices, you know, four-fight winning streak, 2-0 and in the UFC, hits like a truck, um, you know, like, has, like, a very good K-1 kickboxing background uh, that makes him really tough. Only 27 years old, which at middleweight is, is definitely one of the younger guys out there. Um, yep. Another guy who's got crazy reach, considering how big he is. Like he sets only six one at middleweight, which is not huge. 
but he does have a 76 inch reach, which, you know, translates to six foot four, which is, so he's, he's definitely got a little bit of extra reach there. Again, that, that probably shows you how crazy Morales' reach is, right? Is that we're talking about this yeah. guy has good yeah. reach, a, a weight class up. Um, but he's a great kickboxer and I, I like what I see from him there. He, he hits really hard. That fight with Trevin Jones, um, made, or Trevin Giles rather made me feel really good about what he can do. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in on places. And speaking about reach, normal humans, your reach is basically the same as your height. So, um, it's except not for freak athletes. Like NBA players have like seven foot seven reach, and they're six foot nine, stuff like that. Have, but, have yeah, you normal... seen the reach? Have you seen the reach on that kid from Gonzaga who who is their uh, no? He's like Chet the Holm, Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, yeah. So he's seven foot two with a seven nine wingspan. <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about, stuff like that. That's why I didn't make the NBA because my reach is the same as my height. So I didn't. Uh, I'm just an average average dude, Dan. That's the only reason. That's the only thing keep me. And my hands are small. It's the only thing keep me out of the NBA. Could you, could so you call him a basketball at six six or no? Barely, barely, not really, like not not enough to like to to dunk. Like I can I could dunk obviously, but I couldn't palm it to like do fancy dunks or anything like that. You had to like, you I had to go up to the, the two man guy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know how it is, Dan, from your days dunking. You know how I, it is. I did. I've thrown down twice in my life. Nice. Yeah, which at at six three is a little bit harder, but uh, yep. twice in my life. Um, nobody got the tape measure out and measured the hoop, but I, I got two in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Good, good point. All right, now now we're getting into into some scary territory, Dan. Light heavyweights. Um, so who, for who light, could possibly be under the radar under the radar in light heavyweights? So I actually did find one here. It, it okay. took me a second to flip through, but I, again, I went back to the contender series and what we saw in this yeah. last season. And Jelton Jr. Um, right, or, yeah. you know, yeah. also referred to as Jelton Almeida. Um, yep. depending on, you know, who you're, you're talking to, dude, he looks so good on the contender series. Um, for, for those who don't remember, he fought Nasruddin Nasruddinov, um, which his name sounds as menacing, uh, as, uh, I kind of thought he was going in. I took Jelton Jr. at like plus money. I think we found him at like plus 170. This was one of our big hits of the, the contender series yep. season. And, man, did he – I mean, like, he basically – the guy he was fighting came in and said that he was the light heavyweight Habib, and we literally just watched him yeah. get Habibed for a whole fight by this Brazilian dude who, not, yeah. not to mention, like, looked good on the feet, too. Like, he can he can stand and trade on the feet, but he also just looks like an absolute killer on the ground, holds people down has a really, really, really good um, resume, too. Like, he's got a win over Ednaldo Oliveira, who is in the UFC. Um, he's got a whole bunch of fun submission wins against, like, top-level type guys. And they clearly like him as well, because, once again, he's booked in early 2022 against Danilo Marquez, which, you know, for, for people who don't remember Marquez as well, he is coming off of a loss to Kennedy Zichuku, but this is a guy who was 2-0 in the UFC. He beat Mike Rodriguez, choked him out, beat Kata off, and he was really beating Kennedy Zichuku pretty badly, looking for his third straight win before he got caught and, and knocked out. So they clearly have a lot of faith in Jelton Jr., and what's interesting about this is they've matched him with another grappler just to see what he can do in a grappler-grappler fight again. I think it's a really favorable matchup for Almeida. I'm going to be looking for that line the minute it posts. Um, but I'm also just going to have my eye on Jelton Jr. for a while because I think the heavyweight division is one that, like, is kind of without really good grapplers, right? Like, can you think of somebody who's, like, 
The grappler. You said heavyweight, light heavyweight. You mean, light correct? heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Light yeah. heavy. Can you think of anybody who's like um, a light heavyweight grappler right now? Like the champ. Like, yeah, I, I mean Glover Teixeira. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're a hundred. Paul Craig. Glover Teixeira and Paul Craig. Uh, and Paul Craig's not. I mean, I guess he's worked more on his top game. He was working way yeah. off of his back, right? Because he got. He, he's caught both um, the the Russian fellow that you really love and I'm not sold on. Um, off of his back, <laughs> and he caught um, he caught Jamal Hill off of his back. But like he he's he's working on his top game. He got Shogun with his top game and stuff like that. So, um, but like you know, ultimately there aren't a lot of grapplers in that division who make you feel really good. So like I, I think there's a path for him there to make a quick run up the division. And he's only thirty. That's a young he, light heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it's, and he's got a lot of experience under his belt, so I think he is ready to ready to roll, basically. Yeah, like I said earlier on about uh, about whoever I said it earlier on about, I don't know, I don't remember Dan. I said someone was ready to roll earlier, didn't I? Oh, Matthews Gamro. So. Yes, yes, yes he's ready to roll. Like I don't, I keep, I keep saying him like he's French. He's not French. Or is he Gamro? Yeah, I think it's Gamro. <laughs> who is the? Uh, I'm trying to figure out who the. Rush. Oh, Magomed Ankalaya. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. He yeah. got caught. He got caught by uh, Paul Craig with one second left, and he tapped he out. Yes. <laughs> the Bear Jew. All right, heavyweights. Heavyweights. Actually, like I said in the last episode, a few years ago, this would have been much harder to do. But I feel like it's 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 much deeper than it was, and younger than it was, or relatively speaking, younger for, for yeah. heavyweight at least. It it is younger, but I will tell you this. So I saw a bunch of younger names, and I was like. Yeah, I'm still not impressed with any of these guys. Yeah. Um, so I, I went with Old Faithful. And if you've listened to me on this show talk about heavyweights and heavyweights I'm excited about, you've heard me say the name Alexander Romanov 8,000 yep. times. Uh, and I couldn't not pick him. Because, like, look, what is that dude doing not ranked still? Like, why have we not – why is he not in the rankings? He's 4-0 with three finishes. The only guy he didn't finish was Juan Espino, a guy who was going into that fight undefeated. And, yeah, like, you might not have liked how he looked in that fight. He looked like he gassed out. He he brought a lot of doubt to people. But, man, he, he choked the dude out one time with his forearm. Just put his forearm on some guy's carotid artery and watched him pass out in front of his eyes and then stood up. It's one of the most savage things I've ever seen. And then he went out there and beat the hell out of Jared Bandera. I mean, he, he suplexed Roque Martinez like he was a ragdoll. And, like, Roque Martinez is a big dude. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I'm just, like, constantly impressed with Alexander Romanov. I have no idea how he's not ranked yet. Um, I have no idea why we're not booking him with, like, ranked dudes next. Like, he should be fighting somebody real legit sometime soon. Um, because, like, I mean, 4-0 at heavyweight – is like a serious run that used to get to a title shot a couple of years ago. Yep, no kidding. Yeah, he, the rankings they do on MMA-Manifesto.com, which I bang on about pretty much every episode. Uh, performance rankings for heavyweights, he is, is based on performance, not on voting. He is 11th, so he's ranked in my rankings. I don't know why he isn't in like in a shallow weight class with impressive finishes. So it doesn't, re- doesn't really make sense at all, so. And I can um, tell you that at least one panelist has him ranked in not at six. <laughs> <laughs> See the type of people that are voting on the UFC rankings? Just just saying. Just saying. Just, just the uh, <laughs> Any Anyone that just missed the cut in any weight classes that you, you want to mention before we, we move on to some actual betting picks? 
I mean, there was uh like the the hardest one of these for me to do was lightweight. There are so many lightweight fighters, and there are a so buttload. Many, yeah, there's a there's like a buttload of gags that want to try. Um, there's like a buttload of lightweight fighters that I was really excited about. Like Yo- Yoel Alvarez, who we both hit on him beating Tiago Moises a few weeks ago. Like yeah. more people should I be talking. You might about mention him. Yeah. Yeah, more people should be talking about him. Armand Sakurian in that division, although I think he's ranked now. Should, more people should be talking about him. Um, you know, he he just had to pull out of a fight, but I I really like Terrence McKinney. Um, Terrence McKinney, yeah. you know, won in seven seconds in his debut. Won he won four times this year in less than two combined minutes. More people should be talking about him. Um, you know, I I thought Duram Kutataladze had lost to uh, Mattress Gamero, but Guram Kutataladze is good too. Um, that David Onama, who debuted and lost, he's 0-1, but, like, gave Mason Jones all he could handle. Like, he's fun. Ignacio Bahamondes is fun in that division. Dude, that division is so freaking stacked. Um, yep. Yeah, like, just about anybody out of lightweight right now who's, like, 1-0. and Hey, I mentioned a guy in there who's 0-1. Like, there are plenty of dudes in that division who could use a little bit more shine. There you go. See, he, I, I threw that on him, and of course, Dan's got an answer for, for that question. So, but we'll see if he has some uh, betting, uh, actual stuff that can make you money this week after I tell you about a couple of other of our sponsors, like Better Fantasy. Better Fantasy is a new free-to-play app that lets you sync your fantasy football league and bet on the matchups. You can cash out for gift cards when your bets hit and even help raise money for charity along the way. They're a brand new company looking to grow their early adopter community. They're a slick app, fun to use. One of the reasons we love using it is they also offer prop betting. Actually, Dan just wrote about this on sportsgamblingpodcast.com if you want to check that out. So if you're in a state that hasn't legalized gambling yet, you can get in some prop bets on Better Fantasy. Plus, they just added a very cool bonus that we didn't talk about last time. If you can get your entire league to join Better Fantasy, they'll give the league a $150 gift card to get a sick-ass trophy from trophysmack.com. Totally free to play. Download today on iPhone or Android. Check them out. Betterfantasy.com slash SGPN. That's B-E-T-T-O-R fantasy.com slash SGPN. And make sure you also check about check out So Bet. Since when did sports betting become so rigid? Sports betting is meant to be social. When I picture betting, I picture bootleggers with mustaches tossing bets around in a speakeasy. So Bet is taking the social lineage of betting and putting a modern twist on it by providing a modern platform. So Bet is changing the game with their new product. Head over to SoBet.io and create an account to see for yourself. Through their fully functioning and free web application, you can access a demo of their app, which will launch next fall. The app includes consensus lines from Vegas, a feed of what other players are betting on, and the ability to send friendly wagers to anyone you know via text, QR codes, and links, among other methods. No money is transacted on the app and is purely competitive. Next time you're with your friends watching sports, turn the dial up a notch. Go to SoBet.io and see who you can hit the most ridiculous bets. Users have the ability to place bets off Las Vegas odds or generate a bet by changing any metric they want as long as somebody is in on the other side to accept. So let's get back to the roots of betting with SoBet. Go to SoBet.io, S-G-P-N. That's S-O-B-E-T dot I-O slash S-G-P-N to join the revolution. And while I said S-G-P-N, reminds me, our app, the S-G-P-N app, is live in the App Store and Google Play. It gives you access to all our picks, our podcasts. You can get notifications whenever a new episode drops all different uh, sports book uh, offers that we're giving you, all the fun stuff. Make sure you get the app, and if you can toss us that review, that would help us out greatly. SGPN. All right, for life. 
Let's make some money, Dan. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pass on LFA one nineteen because there's no odds. Maybe maybe there'll be odds by the time we we record Wednesday. You may want to hit a couple, but um, we're gonna go right into biggest promotion in the world. Actually, no, one FC is the biggest promotion in the world. But uh, we'll we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about Bellator, shall we? It's the last event. It's actually the last, not just the last event of the year. They don't have any scheduled in 2022 yet. I don't think, unless you know something I don't know, Dan. No, nah, they're always they're always really weird with scheduling the end of the year and like holidays and stuff like around holidays and stuff like that. Like they're like the worst at like promoting upcoming fights. Although the UFC does that a little bit too now. Like they technically have announced UFC 270, but like yeah. haven't really announced any of the other fights happening. So like, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure on what they're doing, but I'm sure they'll something will pop up. Something will pop up. You, you, sure. you got to have another cyborg mercy killing at some point. Exactly. Hey, I'll watch. Like I said, I'll watch no matter what. Oh, I'm watch. here for it. I'm here exactly. for it. I'm, I'm not knocking it. <laughs> I, th- I think I think I'm here for this one too. At least for the main event, uh, we got Bellator 272 Pettis versus Horaguchi. It's got a very cool poster for it. Um, it's December 3rd for the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. Place Dan has seen many a fight at, right? I have seen, yeah, many a fight in Uncasville. How <laughs> is Uncasville? I've never been to Uncasville. Tell me so about Uncasville, Dan. Uh, so my, uh, so pretty much, if uh, Uncasville is a casino, um, <laughs> yeah. as, long as, as long as I'm being really honest, there isn't much of a town around Uncasville. It's Mohegan Sun's casino, and there is like a little little kind of center of the town nearby, but it's mostly just a casino. So uh, as far as the town, if, I guess if you like casinos, it's real nice. <laughs> the the casino by our family cottage up here is all smoke shops and cannabis shops. Is it like that in, in Uncasville or not? So uh, I don't believe probably not legal. I don't believe I don't know how that works. So I, first of all, I haven't been <laughs> back to Uncasville since like the beginning of the pandemic because I was like, ah, I'm not gonna go cover Bellator shows in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, it seems like a lot of protocol Coward. stuff to go through. <laughs> uh, I don't really want to deal with, you know, like being isolated for several days in order to cover it. Um, so I haven't been back there. Uh, I don't believe it's legal in Connecticut, but I also don't know how that, whether or not that matters because Uncasville is a Native American land that's how they like get around most of the gambling stuff yep. in connecticut anyway um so like i don't know if they've changed over since then um but i wouldn't be surprised if they have there you go i just just say that in the wild west of the or the wild north of canada that's, that's what <laughs> it is up here so all right um main event is a Bell- bellator bantamweight championship fight they call it the world championship but come on Every every promotion can't have the world championship in it. Um, Sergio Pettis, current champ, versus Koji Horiguchi. Um, let me give you a quick breakdown. We'll start with the champ, who is surprisingly the underdog here, or maybe not so surprisingly. His nickname is SP, which I didn't realize, which is very lame. Yeah, that's, his initial, <laughs> that's his initials. He's 21-5, three knockouts, four submissions, 3-0 in Bellator. He's won four straight fights. Uh, he's not. He was in the UFC previously where he's went nine and five this is his first title defense is it not i believe he just won it right i believe so right like he he just beat um what's his face there the um archuleta um yes for the title yes 
yeah, he just beat him for the title. Let me check here. May 7th. So, yes, this will be his first title defense. Um, like I said, 9-5 in the UFC before all this. He used to fight at flyweight. He was the RFA champ, the NAFC champ, three years younger than Horiguchi. Got an inch of height, three inches of reach on him. You can get him, like I said, dog money, plus 155. Uh, Horiguchi, formerly, do you know he was formerly the Supernova, and now he is the Typhoon? Did you know that, Dan? Well, I, I didn't even know he was the Supernova. You didn't? Oh, no. Dan, you're all about nicknames, I actually, though. I actually am not sure I've ever heard anybody call him the Typhoon, either. No, it's well, Gooch. Apparently... It's the Gooch. That's yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, what can I tell you about the Gooch? 29 and 3, 15 knockouts, 3 submissions. He's 1 and 0 in Bellator, where he won the belt in his in his only Bellator fight. Um, and then he had to relinquish it for injuries. Uh, he won his last fight via TKO. He's 14 and 1 over his last 15 fights. He was, or is, I think, the Ryzen champ. He also was the Shudo champ earlier in his career. He also was in the UFC where he went 7 and 1. And then they got rid of him, like they, or did he leave? I can't remember. I think he might have left. Do you remember? I think, I think he was part of the big flyweight purge. Was he? Um, but okay. I don't think. I think what happened was his contract expired, and they just didn't yeah. renew him. Yeah, which is silly. Uh, and yeah. he used to be a flyweight also. So mm-hmm. yeah, minus one ninety five. I honestly believe he'd be the flyweight champ right now if he didn't leave. Yeah. Oh, um, so maybe we know who Dan's picking here. Minus yeah, one ninety five. You like the Gooch, Dan? I, I love. I I think he is one of the best fighters in the world. Um, wow. And I, I, I continue to see it. Like I would take him in a fight with Brandon Moreno tomorrow. Um, I, I he beat him already. Did you not? Did he beat Brandon he, Moreno? I I was looking up someone yesterday when I was doing research, and he had beaten, or maybe it was Sergio Pettis that beat Brandon Moreno. Oh, it, it, was, Sergio, Sergio it was Sergio Pettis. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but like. That was also a, a different Brandon Moreno, regardless, right? Yes, Brandon Moreno yes. lost on Brandon Moreno yeah. lost in uh, the Ultimate Fighter House to Andre, Alexander Pantoja, and I don't think he loses that fight again. Um, but like, yeah, I think Koji Horiguchi would beat Brandon Moreno right now, and I also think he would give one of the better fights to Piotr Jan, um, like at, at Bantamweight. Like, I, I think this dude is absolutely positively one of the best out there. You got to see him beat Darian Caldwell multiple times. You got to see him, you know, absolutely blast Ian McCall on the fee. He beat Manel Kopp and made him look like he didn't know what he was doing. Like, he's incredible. He can grapple. He can strike. He's got that karate style that works for him. Like, there's so many things he can do. And for me, not that Sergio Pettis isn't good, but, like, Sergio Pettis, I I mostly see as, like, he has some of the striking tendencies of his brother and, like, not enough of that defensive grappling that, like, made Anthony Pettis dangerous to take down, right? Anthony Pettis won his title off of his back um, and defended it once off of his back. So, like, I don't – I think he's got enough of the striking that makes him fun like his brother, but not enough of the defensive grappling. And I think that's where Gooch can probably take over here. I think he probably takes him down, beats him up on the ground. Wouldn't be surprised to see a head and arm choke. You know, you you quoted you said negative one ninety is what we're looking at for Gucci. Yeah, right one ninety five. Yeah, I, I do. I think that line is great. Like, I think Kyojiro Horiguchi is extremely playable at negative one ninety five. I I think he should without a doubt beat Sergio Pettis here. There you go. Very confident right out of the gates with uh, Gumby. All right, let's move to the co-main event: featherweights. Emmanuel Sanchez, Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, what can I tell you? Jeremy Kennedy, let's start with him. Nickname JBC or The Bandit, which I, I prefer The Bandit. <laughs> the Bandit. <laughs> the Bandit. He, 
you are, you're up on all the nicknames. These seem like they're coming as a surprise to you, Dan. Well, J, J, I just know in the UFC it was always JBC. Right. Which I, the bandit I found somewhere. I, I don't I, – do you know what JBC is, by the way? No. It's Jeremy from British Columbia. Oh, how <laughs> lame is that? Come it's on, not, Canada. Do it's better. Not, it's not a good nickname. <laughs> do better, Canada. The bandit is much better. Um, all right. Uh, what can I tell you about the bandit? 16-3 with one no contest. Six knockouts, two submissions. He is Canadian, as Dan mentioned. I forgot to mark that down, but that's an important thing to mention here. One-on-one in Bellator. He lost his last fight. He Over his last five, he's three and one with one no contest. He was in the UFC where he went three and one. Why Why is he not in the UFC anymore if he went three and one? I don't remember what happened I with think, him. I think he was a guy who fought out his contract at three and okay. zero. And, and do you and happen to through. know? Do you happen to know mm-hmm. who he got his fourth fight? So he was three and zero when he had one fight left on his contract. He fought it out to see what would happen. He got knocked out in his fourth fight. Do you know who it was against? Oh, let me think. Um, I'm not looking it up at all. Alexander Volkanovsky by TKO punches and elbows on February 11th, 2018 at UFC 221, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yes, off the <laughs> top of my head. I knew it. Definitely weren't looking it up. But that, that was Volkanovsky's, like, fourth fight in the UFC. They were both 3-0. Yeah. and He decided to fight it out in, like, like, obviously, Volkanovski's going to blast him. It wound up being, like, a terrible matchup for a dude who was trying to fight out his contract. So I'm pretty sure that's what happened, if I remember correctly. But, uh, like, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on that. Sounds like it might have been done on purpose, Dan. You think it might have ne- given that matchup on that purpose? Never, never happened before. No. Anyhow, um, he was in PFL where he went 2-1 and one with one no contest. He was the BFL champ. He used to fight at lightweight. This one is down at featherweight. He's two years younger than Sanchez, two inches of height on him, plus 175. Sanchez is El Matador. Did you know that, Dan? I, I did know that, yeah. Okay, good. 20 and 6, one knockout, eight submissions, 12 and 5 in Bellator. He has been around Bellator forever. He's lost the last two. Before that, he won three straight, so he's gone three and two over his last five. But uh, important to note, he's lost two straight. And he's a favorite here. Uh, he used to fight at lightweight. He used to fight at welterweight. So this is down two weight classes from five inches of reach minus two twenty five. What are you thinking in this one? I, I think because of where I'm seeing the lines uh, posted, I, I actually think a stab on Jeremy Kennedy here makes a lot of sense. Um, I, yeah. I'm saying it's probably like a fifty fifty type fight, but like if you look at the two fight losing streak of Emmanuel Sanchez. He lost to Patricio Pitbull, which obviously no shame in that, but it was on a takedown attempt that didn't work, and he got guillotine choked. Then he lost to Mads Burnell, which Mads Burnell, I think not enough people talk about how good Mads Burnell is, uh, another guy who the UFC kind of short-shrifted and let go too early. But Burnell took him down and controlled him. Now, if you remember any of Jeremy Kennedy's, like any of that really good run he had in the UFC, in three fights in the UFC up until he fought Volkanovski, he had gotten 21 takedowns in three fights, which is really an, an absolutely incredible amount. And granted, you know, not the greatest competition with like Alex Ricci or, or Hani Jason, but Kyle Bocciniak is a guy who wrestles really well. And, and Jeremy Kennedy kind of took him down at will. Um, and granted, we've, it's been a while since then, but Jeremy Kennedy did that to Matt Bassett, who is a UFC guy. He did it to Steven Seeler, who's a UFC guy. Had a little bit of trouble doing it to Adaborix, who's, you know, again, one of the more underrated guys in Bellator. I think here he could probably do it to Emmanuel Sanchez, and it's enough of, a, like, a coin flip to me to be like, yes, take the guy who's almost getting you two-to-one money here. Um, 
you know, gun to my head pick, I might have to think about this a little while, but when the odds are posted where they are here, I don't think you have to think about it at all. You just play Jeremy Kennedy. Here we go. The proverbial gun has been pulled out for the first time this episode. <laughs> it, it's back again, baby. Um, and since it's the Canadian he's picking, he's going to get screwed over because that's what us Canadians do. Um, all right. Next fight you wanted to mention was the prelim main event. Walter Waits, Oliver Enkamp versus Kyle Kuchmir. Um Enkamp, 10-2, two, two knockouts, six submissions. He's 3-0 and in Bellator, all via finish. He's won three straight fights. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they all would be via finish, I guess, in Bellator. Uh, 0-2 in the UFC, if you might remember him from that. His last four wins, actually, are all via finish. Uh, he's four inches taller than Kruchmeyer, nine inches of reach uh, on him. Um, I may have to start tracking the, like, enormous reach stats next year. I just have, like, all any reach advantage, like one inch or nine inches, I have all, like, lumped in the same category when I'm tracking stats. I may have to, like, make it. The, the big boy reach it. difference? Yeah, like six <laughs> inches or more or something like that. Um, uh, anyhow, uh, camp plus 112. Uh, Kyle Kruchmeyer is 7-1, one knockout, three submissions, never been finished in a fight, 3-1 and one in Bellator. He won his last fight, used to fight at middleweight. This one is down a weight class at welterweight. He is a, or was a wrestling champ on the come up. Uh, two years younger than Encamp, minus 140. Go ahead, yes. Mr. I, I, I like Kritchmer a lot. It's part of the reason okay. why I listed this as one of the fights uh, I wanted to talk about, because yep. Getting him at negative 140 here, I think is I think it's silly. Um, like he is, like you said, he he wrestled at Oklahoma State where he won uh, all kinds of championships and whatnot. He, he's an incredible wrestler. The only time he's had a little bit of trouble in Bellator was he ran into Cameron Lachinov, who is an extremely tough dude. Who was hey, get this, I'm the Ultimate Fighter. Um, oh it, it always, no! It always comes back. So he's only lost to an Ultimate Fighter guy. Encamp, meanwhile, if you remember his run in the UFC, because he was 0-2 in the UFC, um, he lost to Nordin Taleb. Nordin Taleb uh, took him down, controlled him fairly easily. Basically, what I'm gaining off of watching Oliver Encamp is he's got a really good jiu-jitsu game. He's got good movement to the back, great rear naked choke. He won by Japanese necktie his last time out, which is really impressive. But largely, the types of guys he loses to are the types of guys who can either stay off the ground with him or can take him down and just stay away from submissions and control and grounded pound a little bit. And, like, that's the style of Kirchmer, right? Like, if he decides he wants to keep this on the feet, he could. And if he decides to take him down, he really just has to take him down and stay safe. And I think Kirchmer, since he's done that for his whole eight-fight career, will probably do it again here. Um, so I think the the line we're getting there, at, you know, in the negative 140s and even if that creeps up a little bit into the negative 160s even, I, I still think I like the money line there. All righty, there we go. Moving on in the prelims also. Um, I should let you know, prelims are on YouTube or Pluto TV. Main card is on Showtime. What is the start time for this event? Um, or if you're in Canada, it is on, you, all of it's on YouTube because they don't have a TV deal here. So uh, it says it says 7 p.m. for the prelims and 10 p.m. Okay. for the main card. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Vreeland. Um all right, what are we going to do? Uh, Hamill. And, all right, lightweights. Killies, Mota, Mike Hamill. Is that, is that not the best name? Killies? Yeah, it's, is it's how you not, say it? 
It's not, I don't think it's his real name either, if I'm remembering no. correctly. But yeah, it's, those it's Brazilians, silly Smota. <laughs> those Brazilians and their fake names. Um, all right, Hamill, Mike Hamill. Let's tell tell you about him first. Did you know he's Magic Mike Hamill? I did. I did know that mostly because so he's like, he was like a regional fighter around uh, uh, yeah. around Massachusetts area. So uh, I did know that about him. Yeah, around the Mountain <laughs> Man's area, eh? That I think that was. A, Okay, it was gonna be something to do with you being a uh, man for the mountains because you, <laughs> you were trying to steal uh, someone's nickname in a uh, previous episode. Oh, Man Mountain, Georgie Dano. Yeah. <laughs> so I was gonna call you Man Mountain or uh, Man from the Massachusetts Mountain or something like that. So anyhow, um, Magic Mike, eight five, three knockouts, one and two in Bellator. He won his last fight. He's got only won two of his last three or two of his last five. Excuse me. However, he's got two and three. He was the FFC champ. Also, the WFF champ, those letters mean nothing to me, and they probably don't mean anything to you either, do you? Oh, FFC might be Fury? I'm not sure. Maybe not. FFC. <clears throat> no, probably isn't. Oh, it's according to this, it's Fierce FC. Oh, of, of course, of course. <laughs> and WFF uh, champ. Um, two years younger than Mota, plus 115. Mota doesn't have a nickname because we think Killies is his nickname. Uh, he's 12-2 and two with six knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out himself twice, so that's the only way he's lost is via knockout. Dying on his sword. One on one to Bellator. He lost via knockout his last fight. He's got two inches of height over Hamill, three inches of reach, minus one forty five. Who you like in here? So I I am going with Moda here. Uh I think he's he is one of those guys who is kind of flown under the radar because he makes kind of dumb mistakes occasionally. But mostly what I Yeah, and gets and gets knocked out, but like the other thing, though, is that Mike Hamill is not the type of guy who's going to do that to you. Um, no. You know, he's he's won by lots of decisions. Like, the last time he won was back in that aforementioned, you know, by finish, was back in that aforementioned Fierce FC, where he fought a dude who was 1-1. One mm-hmm. one. Um, so, like, he is not, like, a particularly good finisher. Mostly what I've seen out of him is, like, he tries to get by on, like, pure athleticism, um, which, you know, it doesn't bode well when you get to Bellator, and you've seen it not bode well for him lately. Whereas Moda is a guy who who is kind of, like, very quick on the feet. He TKO'd a dude leg kicks one time. Uh, he choked out Hamill's teammate, Bobby Lee, um, with a guillotine choke, so he's got stuff going on there. Um, he also trains with Glover Teixeira in, at Glover Teixeira MMA and Fitness. Um, as well as an American top team. Um, and they're putting together like a really impressive team of like kickboxers who then learn grappling from Glover Teixeira. So like he's got a bunch of guys working with him that I think we're going to see some pretty large gains, especially because we haven't seen him in a whole year since he got knocked out by Derek Anderson, who is, again, I keep saying one of the more underrated guys in Bellator, one of the more underrated guys in Bellator. Um, but this is just a long, drawn-out way of me saying I do like Killis Mota in this fight. Uh, I, I like his abilities to fight in both areas. I think technically he's better than Hamill, even if Hamill is more athletically gifted. Yeah, he, I, I failed to mention uh, Mota's been out of action since November 5th, 2020. How did he lose? I, I don't know if I saw this fight. How did he lose via soccer kick in Bellator when you can't kick a guy on the ground? Do you remember that fight against I, Derek Anderson? I, I do not know. It's it's mentioned as soccer kick on on yes. But just his Sir head. Dog, Dan, just your his, favorite. Dog. Oh yeah, I I don't I don't on, on tapology it just says uh, head <laughs> kick head kick. So I'm okay, assuming that makes more sense. He was maybe outside of the, the maybe I, maybe we can find it while uh, while you're you're previewing the next fight and then I'll catch 
catch folks up afterwards. <laughs> the next fight is a featherweight fight, Kai Kamaka the third, which you may remember from his UFC stint, uh, which just ended, versus John DeJesus, or Don John DeJesus is, uh, would be a better name to call him. His nickname is Platano, which is like a banana. So that's <laughs> interesting nickname. He's 14-9, and nine, five knockouts, two submissions. He's been sub- submitted himself four times. He's 2-1 in Bellator. He's gone win-loss win over his last three, last one being a win. He's, he was the HFC champ and the 24-7 champ and the PFC champ. All those are fantastic promotions, I'm sure. Uh, two inches taller than Kamaka, seven inches of reach. So we got another massive reach advantage here. Uh, he is at plus 160, and the Fighting Hawaiian, as he's known as, Kai Kamaka III, 8-4-1 with one submission. He's another guy who I think of as a finisher, but he's got no finishes. Um, he's 2-0 in Bellator, which was before his stint in the UFC, where he went 1-2-1, and um, and that was his last four fights. This will be his first fight since his UFC release. His last fight was a draw. He used to fight at Bantamweight. This one is up at Featherweight. Um, five years younger than DeJesus, minus 200. Mr. Vreeland, over to you. So first of all, I just rewatched that, uh, that Derek Anderson knockout of, of Kiwis Mota. It looks illegal. I don't know how it goes down to <laughs> the Derek go. Anderson win because it was a soccer kick and he did have a knee and one of his hands on the ground. I, I would have to hear the announcers discuss why it eventually got allowed, but it shouldn't have been. Uh, that should have been a DQ win. Uh, but nevertheless, let's get into talking about John DeJesus and Kai Kamaka. I'm going to go with the underdog money here on John DeJesus. Wow. Uh, you mentioned both, like, he – well, first and foremost, I, I like the, the money line here, right? Like, DeJesus yeah. giving you that, that much of a turnaround. And I think, you know, we've talked about lines being juiced by hype and stuff like that. I think the line's just juiced here because Kai Kamaka is a household name. Um, He's like a guy who had a whole bunch of exciting UFC fights, and now he's fighting a guy you've basically never heard of. But, like, his losses are to guys like like TJ Brown. Um, And and TJ Brown has looked not good in the UFC, like really not good in the UFC. He lost to Jordan Griffin by a really weird choke. He lost to Danny Chavez and not looked good in that fight. And, And, like, he lost to Jonathan Pierce, who has shown he's, like, not got good you know, wait, he's not well-rounded. I would say Danny Chavez gassed out and gave Kai Kamaka a, a majority draw. Like, he, for for all of the excitement that Kai Kamaka does bring, and he brings a lot of excitement, hasn't looked really good. And meanwhile, we got John DeJesus here, who's going to have a massive reach advantage. He just beat John Teixeira, who's pretty damn good. His only loss in his last five fights is, is Aaron Pico. And if you watch that fight, Pico took him down a bunch of times, and he got back up in a lot of those fights, too. So, like, I, I think when you look at the fact that, like, DeJesus has, like, a really good list of dudes he's fought. Like, he fought Pat Sabatini and Bill Algio, and, like, he fought Danny Chavez himself way back early in his career, and Billy Quarantillo and Aaron Phillips. All, all these are UFC guys. It's not like he is less experienced than Kai Kamaka. I think he's probably technically better. On the feet, I think he's going to be faster than Kai Kamaka. Um, you know, like, I, I think there's a lot of things to like here. And, you know, like, Kai Kamaka went in there and slugged with four different guys and didn't come close to a knockout once. I'm not saying he doesn't have punching power, but, like, John DeJesus has been knocking dudes out in his career. So, 
um, including in in 24/7 FC, which you mentioned is like a high prestigious uh, organization. <laughs> it is actually yep. a pretty good organization in the Pittsburgh area. Shout out to Hunter Homestick, who is now I think their matchmaker or or oh, or okay. lead promoter. Like yeah, yeah, good good dude, and and he's running that organization. But um, regardless, yeah, I'm gonna take the underdog money here, thinking that the Kai Kamaka line is juiced just because he's a UFC vet. Um, I, definitely, if you don't like John DeJesus in this fight, I wouldn't say go bet on Kai Kamaka because I think that line is way too wide on his side. Just thinking that, like, you know, like, if you wanted to get money on him, you should have done it, you know, a long time ago when it posted or whatever, because uh, I, I think the money's coming in from casual fans on a name they recognize. There you go. Two dogs, right? Yeah, two dogs uh, on the on the yeah, picks and sizable dogs you're picking. Plus 160, plus 175. So chance to get some money if you want to tail Dan. Usually it's a pretty good idea to tail Dan. Um, you should probably – actually, I'd, you, you shouldn't tail his picks on the next one. Okay, Font versus Auto, which is a – going through the fight card. It's a sneaky good fight card despite some last-minute changes and fights falling off. Um and we get to break down Alonzo Minifield versus William Knight for the third time, Dan. Maybe this will actually, <laughs> maybe it'll actually happen this time, right? I uh, I won't hold my breath, but I'll continue to say the same <laughs> shit I always do. <laughs> yep, it's true. Um, but yeah, it's, some, it's, some real tight lines on this card too. Yeah, like I've looked at the lines at, yet. Yeah, I'm like not to I, look at them until I make my picks. So I mean, I mean, like the main events really close. The co-main event was a pick 'em up until recently, and one guy's. Clearly getting a little bit bent on the other side. I'm seeing another fight at a pick em. You know, Chris Grutzmacher, Claudio Puelish is a basically a pick em. Luis Smolka, Vince Morales is basically a pick em. You know, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, like, really closely listed fights. Fun card on paper, too, um, at least. A lot, of, a lot of people I'm interested in seeing. So that will be our next episode, um, which will be Wednesday. Maybe... LFA picks, if if we get odds and you feel like it, Dan, maybe you can give them some LFA picks. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see yeah we, we, could, we could throw some in there last second if they come out. And if not, EFC Worldwide has got their lines uh, posted, too. Oh, good. We'll, we'll we, do that then, for we sure. Can, we can talk about uh, Kazumulu Zulu, who is on the Ultimate Fighter. Oh, in that. <laughs> you actually, not being sarcastic, you actually do like a person on EFC. So there you go. Uh, just, just one. Just one. Okay. You actually gave them some praise earlier on, which uh, I believe you said it was a good promotion. So there it you used go. to be. I, I would say before. I, I don't want to blame the pandemic for it, it sliding, but like since it's the pandemic has happened, I think they're bringing in less like guys from like Southern Europe and yeah. like the northern part of Africa, which used to make the cards a little bit more exciting. And now it's just like it's almost like strictly a South African promotion, which I'm assuming has to do with travel and all that kind of stuff. And that's certainly not getting better right now, um, especially because we, we heard that they isolated another variant in South Africa, which is yeah. uh, not good. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I think that's costing them a little bit of talent. But, yeah, overall, not bad. But this is not an EFC podcast, Dan, I, as much as people would, would <laughs> like it to be. And this train's moving down the track, Dan. Um, actually, <laughs> we're, we're hitting a brick wall. This train, we've run out of track. We're done. Um, we've given you lots of picks and lots of fun and lots of quotes from Napoleon Dynamite. What more could you ask for? Uh, like I said earlier, follow us on Twitter, Jeff Fox writer. He's Gumby Vreeland. Subscribe to our MMA gambling podcast feed so you can get our podcast as soon as it drops. So you don't have to wait for it to come out in the, S- the crowded SGPN feeds. We're busy people at SGPN. Um, you want to, want to take us home, Dan? You take us home today. Sure. Yeah. This is usually the one where I mess up the date. We're yeah. Going. That's why you're doing it. <laughs> I'm Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He is 
uh, Juicy J, Jeff Fox, and we will catch you on Wednesday.